Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Forgive the tone of the some of the homilies this week, as this is a week where it's not the time to talk about how good we are and 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 what we want from God. As much as we're accompanying our Lord in His passion, and hopefully recognizing our role in the passion. Tonight's readings could probably be summarized in, in maybe two sentences. One is turn on the light, and the second is fix your marriage. But the readings that we've read through today, in the morning and also in the evening, is the Lord describing an abusive relationship. And not just an abusive relationship where we don't take our spouse seriously or treat our spouse with any kind of love, but a relationship where we boast in our shame. And the Lord is saying throughout the readings, throughout the prophecies, you'll be visited. You're going to be seeing me as I am. And he warns those, as we saw in the first hour, the very last sentence of the prophecy saying, that some of you despise the ordinances, saying in your hearts, he won't do anything good and he won't do anything evil. And he's saying, even you're saying this in your hearts, this is, this is your disposition towards me, of saying, do whatever you want. It's not like he's going to do anything, which is the state of so many of us where we treat God like he's not real and say, it's okay, God loves. But God today says to us, actually, I hate sin. 
And so he's going to tell us to sober up and we'll go at piece by piece. And he says, he says, I will search Israel with a lamp. I'm going to turn on the light. You're walking in the dark and you're doing whatever you want in the dark, but the light will be turned on. And this is why he said to the disciples in the readings today, and he said to the people who are following him, while you have the light, walk in the light because the light has come. This is the fulfilling of the very prophecies that we're reading. As long as you have the light, walk in the light. Some of, some of us are not happy to hear that kind of language from God, thinking that that's not what a good parent should do. That's not how a good spouse should speak. And that's why our God pleads with us. And, and you see God's condescension in these readings. Some people see it as his wrath. I see it as his humility personally, because he humbles himself to reason with us. He humbles himself to argue with us. He humbles himself, as we just said in the Psalm of the 11th hour, he says that, that we, his spouse that has forsaken him, we're too strong for him. He says, they have overtaken me. We have overtaken him. This is the humility of God. So if we zoom out throughout the week of what's going on in the big picture and then zoom in, onto what's going on in, this, in these readings and how they apply to us. If we zoom out, our God has every right to be upset. Our God is stepping out and saying, what did I do to you? What have I done to you other than give? I made you, I didn't need to make you. I made you healthy. I made you out of love. And all I asked from you was love. And I specifically chose you as a people. You, the people of Israel, and us, the people of the New Covenant. I chose you. You didn't choose yourselves. I chose you. I chose you. I married you. I married you, and I love you. And I love you exceedingly much. And I elected you. And yet this disease took you over. The disease of your self-love. The disease of you cho choosing yourself. And God hates disease. God hates disease because he's a jealous God. He's a lover who cares actually about his lover. Show me a good spouse who's okay with somebody else flirting with their spouse. And ask, me if, ask yourself if that's a good spouse. Show me a spouse who doesn't get upset when someone else is trying to steal his bride. Show me a spouse that you think is good who's not enraged if somebody tries to violate his spouse. This is what our God is saying. Let all things be totally consumed from the face of the earth, says the Lord. Let man and cattle cease. Let the birds of the air and the fish of the sea be consumed. I shall drive mankind from the face of the land. This is a lover saying, I've had enough. I can't. I can't. What kind of marriage is this? I will stretch out my hand against Judah, my beloved and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, my chosen people, and I shall remove the names of your lovers, Baal, your new lover. I'll remove his name from this place and the name of the priest, because even my chosen priests don't worship. Even my chosen priests are unfaithful to me. And I'm going to remove those people who fake give me honor from the housetops and who swear oaths by my name when you're not my spouse, you're not acting as one, those who turn away from the Lord. He's saying, I'm taking back my stuff. 
these things that I gave you, they only meant something when we were in relationship. But when you take them and pan them off as though they're yours, these gifts that I gave you, not only do you pan them off as though you're yours, as though they weren't a gift, you're not just doing that. You're giving them to your new husband as though they were yours. And when you do things in my name that are lies, it's insulting. When you take really intimate things that were between us and you give them to other people, it hurts me. And I'm upset, is what the Lord is saying. And he's saying, you've been acting like I don't exist, like I'm away. Well, I'm coming. The day of the Lord. Fear before the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. We read in the first hour of the eve of Monday. The Lord has prepared his sacrifice. Look at his response. The Lord has prepared his sacrifice. He's responding to our evil with his own sacrifice. He has sanctified his guests and it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will take vengeance on the princes and on the king's house. I'm going to attack this guy who took my spouse captive. That's why he said in the gospels, the prince of this world. He says, I will, I will ravage I will ravage the one who has taken my spouse, the prince of this world, Beelzebub. And I will openly take vengeance upon all those in the gates of that day. This is the day of the Lord. It's like avoiding going to the doctor when you've been sick, thinking you'll get over it. It's like facing up to the creditors when you've ran away from your debt for too long. It's like seeing your dad after you're exposed for stealing his money. It's the inevitable day when the lie that you're living is somehow exposed when you are discovered as a cheating spouse. It's a fearful day. For the great day of the Lord is near, it is near and quick. And he says it'll be especially a fearful day for people who have been saying things like, the Lord shall not do any good, nor shall he do any harm. Do you walk around with the attitude of, it's not a big deal. The Lord won't mind. It's not that serious. Why, why are you so worked up about it? Well, it's Christ who's saying, well, it is a big deal. So what are we doing wrong in this whole thing? We're not like the grain of wheat. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Our disease is that we don't choose the other. We don't live for the other. We don't live for God. We don't live for our neighbor. We don't live for anyone but ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. We hate everyone and love ourselves. So what do we do? The third hour we read, O untaught nation, be gathered together and united to one another before you become like a flower that passes away. Come together, be united. Before the anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the wrath of the Lord comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth. Bring about justice, seek righteousness, give answer to these things so you may be sheltered in the day of the Lord. He's saying, number one, get back together, be united. Stop living for yourself. 
it's bizarre that people's quarantine is becoming a source of unity that your isolation in some cases is making you unite well this is good unite with one another for good rather than bad second that reading said seek the lord seek the lord don't hide from him don't hide from him seek him when a person knows they've done something wrong your fear of going to that person or your wallowing in what you're doing depending on which is your attitude for the reason why you're not returning can do one of two things if it's your fear it reinforces your distance it makes you afraid to be reconciled it makes you afraid for it to be fixed and it makes it harder to fix from your end and if you're running away because you enjoy what you're doing you just get more and more sick and you run the risk of dying from your disease seek the lord third in that passage that short passage he says be humble kill the self be the grain of wheat don't live for yourself put others before you put others before you in thought in action in choices in dealings imagine think of any conflict that you have ever had or that you are in imagine if one of you in the conflict simply said let it be your will not mine the conflict would be ended right away then he says do justice do justice be right don't don't be unjust to people don't allow people to be victimized in any way don't allow yourself to get something that's not your due at the expense of someone else that's not just don't want things that don't belong to you that's not just don't take things that are not yours it's not just whether it's honor whether it's dignity whether it's money whether it's winning a fight look for justice look for rightness seek righteousness seek to be healthy he then further instructs us in the 6th hour and says sober up you who are drunk from your wine stop partying stop living like there's no tomorrow and he uses the imagery of drunkenness to say you're going to have a hangover that's what it's saying you're going to face up in the morning when you wake up from your escapism so get sober be serious be serious about your spiritual life be spirit be serious about your marriage to me don't don't just act like nothing's going on in fact we read in the in one of the prophecies of Joel says wives lament your husband lament your first love as though he died sober up because if 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 your husband's dead i don't don't think many of us would say well that's the best time to party and that's what god is saying he's saying don't don't party this this is the reason for your lament and then he says lament priests lament at the altar because what you're doing is not real be serious about your relationship be serious about your relationship are you living with your drunkenness as an anesthetic are you trying to escape 
the reality of real life. If God is real, it's an issue if we're sleeping. There are consequences to that belief. Identify your wrong thinking. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. We're so wind-tossed. Sometimes God is speaking, sometimes it's the devil, sometimes it's ourselves, and we don't even know. Same for all of us, as it was for Peter. But Peter spoke with conviction. He spoke with conviction as though he knew what he was talking about. And he was wrong. He was completely and utterly wrong. Have humility even in your opinions. You who hate good and love evil, who seize their skins in order to flay them and cut their flesh off their bones. You've been destroyed by corruption. I think that we Christians sometimes forget that loving God means hating evil. We claim that we know it. We claim that we do it, but we don't do it. We always tend to choose evil, which is a sign that we don't love good. And he's saying, beware, I'm coming. You who hate good and love evil. Be careful. Don't abuse your role. Don't abuse your role as a parent. Don't abuse your role as a priest or as a servant. Don't abuse your role. Don't abuse the sacrifices. Don't abuse your church. Don't abuse your relationships. Don't abuse your God. Whenever we are choosing evil over good, that is exactly what we're doing. We're taking those very things that God gave us as a gift, that our romancer gave us as a gift, and saying, I am going to give it to my new lover. I am abusing your love. You made me a priest. I'm going to hoard it and lord it over the people. That gift that you gave, I'm going to use it for my glory and my honor because my lover is myself. I am not going to bend my will to my spouse because I care about me. I am going to make sure that I get my way in the service or that I get my way in how we organize or that I get my loud say at the servants meeting or the board meeting or whatever it is that you're participating in. This is us abusing our roles. But more importantly, if we step back out, God was saying, I chose you. I chose you, the Jews. I chose you as my chosen people because the world had rejected me. And I romanced you and I pursued you and I love you and you rejected me. And I am telling you that I am coming. There will be a day of your visitation. That is the day of the Lord. I am coming. I am coming and you're going to be confronted by my return. But he almost rhetorically asks a question. He says, but will you recognize me? Will you know the day of your visitation? And the answer from the readings that we're seeing right now is a resounding no. They have no idea who he is. He stands in the temple. They have no idea. They yell and scream at him. His, in, his own disciples are, are, are all over the place. Maybe you're a prophet, maybe you're this. And then Peter, speaking by the Holy Ghost, not because he actually got it, was able to recognize it and say it. 
And so the people of Israel in the big picture, the zooming out picture, no, they didn't know. They didn't recognize. If they did, they wouldn't have killed him. But the question, if you zoom into yourself, is also being asked, who do you say that I am? He asked first, who did the crowd say that I am? And they answer saying, some people think you're this. And these are the same answers that people say today. Oh, he was a good guy. He was a very moral man. He had good teachings. And Christ is asking personally, saying, who do you say that I am? And you better have an answer or you will also not recognize the day of your visitation. Because the fury of God that's being described in these prophecies is at a lover who has spurned the spouse. That there's a covenant made and that the spouse has been unfaithful to the covenant. Well, you and I and everyone who has been baptized has entered into a covenant with God. That is what you have done in your baptism as you entered into new covenant. Are you faithful to your spouse? And will you recognize the day of your visitation? When Peter understood the words that Christ was God, it changed him. The same guy who denies him, the same guy who betrays him, the same guy who speaks whatever, died for him. All the apostles were changed by him. The Samaritan woman was changed by him. All the martyrs were changed by him. But do we know him? Will we recognize the day of the Lord if we don't know who he is? He says something very, traffic, very tragic in the prophecy of the ninth hour. It's the very last line. You were pursued without anyone pursuing. I was chasing you. I was begging you. I am begging you. And so here we see in these, all these readings and all these things, these are things that we can do to fix it. But in spite of all of this wrath, in spite of all of these words that the Lord is saying that sound like he is so upset, in every single hour we see that he's still committed. He's still committing committed to fixing it even though it's not his fault he's still committed to pursuing us even when we're rejecting and he even says you know the, 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 the apostles ask him why can't why can't we cast out demons why couldn't we do it and his answer is because you didn't you didn't believe me you, you're not in a real relationship with me. How are you going to fix your marriage if you don't even believe that your spouse is good? How will you fix your marriage if you don't even believe that your spouse loves you? How will you fix your marriage if you think the worst of your spouse, you think so little of your spouse? It's true allegorically and it's true literally. It's because we don't recognize who he is. And he says, the reason why you don't recognize who I am, this is where he has compassion. He says it in the prophecies, you've been destroyed with corruption. You've been destroyed with corruption. And that's exactly what we are going through with him in this week. Is that our Lord says, since you have been destroyed by corruption, 
I'll destroy corruption. I will put corruption on me. I will enter into your state. I will enter into your state. I will still pursue you even though you don't pursue me to the ends of the earth, to the pits of hell itself, literally. And I will rescue you because you are my lover. May we all respond to him and say, Lord, for, forgive us for not knowing who you are. Forgive us that we don't pursue. And may this Holy Week be an offering of us to say, may we, Lord, be granted the dignity to accompany you as you rescue us. To him be glory, honor, and worship now and always and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Christ our Savior has come and has borne suffering that through his passion According to his grace.